Hey everybody, welcome to the Offshore Insights Podcast, where we share captivating individuals and stories connected by water. I'm your host, Stephen Luth. We're stoked you could join us today, and I hope you enjoy your listening experience. Today's episode, we discuss insights and discoveries made from pursuing healthier relationships to technology and deeper connections to nature. And to talk about it with us, we have special guests, Sonia Mohammed and Sebastian Sloven. What's up, you guys? What's Thanks happening? for taking the time to join me. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the Offshore Insights podcast and uh, just being willing to have a cool open-ended discussion. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. How are we doing? Good. Yeah. yeah. Like here. <laughs> Doing good, yeah, psyched. And you guys have been pretty busy working on your individual programs as well as Nature Unplugged lately. It sounds like there's some good, exciting work going on. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Um, well, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Um, Sonia, if you want to start. Yeah, I'm Sonia, co-founder of Nature Unplugged. Awesome. Yeah, my name is Sebastian, co-founder as well. <laughs> Sebastian awesome. Slovin. Good deal. Well, um, before we get into our episode, um, I thought it'd be nice to share an old poem by uh, George Carlin that I think is a good tone setter for our topics and discussions and themes today. And uh, so I'll just start with that one. The paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings, but shorter tempers, wider freeways, but narrower viewpoints. We spend more time, but have less fun. We buy more, but enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families more conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees, but less sense, more knowledge, but less judgment, more experts, but more problems, more medicine, but less wellness. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry too quick, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too seldom, watch TV too much, and pray too seldom. We have multiplied our possessions, but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too seldom, and hate too often. We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but have trouble crossing the street to meet the new neighbor. We've conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted the soul. We've we've split the atom, but not our prejudice. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We plan more, but accomplish less. We write more, but learn less. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but have less communication. These are the times of fast foods and slow digestion, tall men and short character, steep profits and shallow relationships. They are the times of world peace, but domestic warfare, more leisure, but less fun, more kinds of food, but less nutrition. These are the days of two incomes, but more divorce of fancier houses but broken homes. These are the days of quick trips, disposable diapers, throwaway morality, one-night stands, overweight bodies, and pills that do everything from cheer to quiet to kill. It is a time when there is much in the show window and nothing in the stockroom. A time when technology can bring this letter to you and a time when you can choose to either share this insight or just hit delete. 
What do you think? <laughs> it's a good poem. I hadn't, I hadn't heard it before today. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's an old favorite of mine. I used to kind of, it's actually, I think, almost eight or nine years old now, but mm. I just think that it's got a bit of a timeless relevancy or maybe an increasing relevancy yeah. <laughs> as we get into it. Um, so before we begin with this episode, I just want to throw out a little disclaimer here. Um, obviously, something we've talked about today prior to the recording, which is that, um, you know, we want to be objective and critical about our value points and views of technology, but also we don't by any means have any intention. And I think this is a shared amongst the three of us to cast a negative light, you know, on technology or to make it out to be something that is inherently bad. Um, and when we're referring to technology in this context, unless we specify otherwise, the definition we're referring to is just the Merriam-Webster definition being the science of the application of knowledge to practical purposes. So, that being said, we also want to be fair to acknowledge the benefits of technological integration in our lives um, and just honor both sides of that. If Very that nice. works for you guys. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah. we hold any, you know, grudges, little biases we want to you know, sneak in there. That's cool, too. I'll, yeah, I'll put a few little jabs in there. Sweet. <laughs> so, a lot of what I'm going to be asking you guys about today is in reference to some of the articles that you guys have written blog posts around on your website at uh, natureunplugged.com. And uh, there were some really fascinating pieces, and some of them I had read bits of in the past or read related pieces. But um, particularly this this uh, one article that was run in the Atlantic that was kind of referring to the overall impacts and trends um, on teens, but youth in general, who you know obviously are growing up more inundated with technology versus you know us in our generation and people you know just bordering up against it. We're, we're pretty lucky to have just snuck out, you know, and missed that window of like total inundation, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, some of the things that we're, we're looking at, you know, in summary is, is we're looking at, you know, less personal social interaction, you know, less interfacing with peers, uh, less dating, less sex, less likely to get a good night's sleep, lower interest in getting a license and independence markers like that. And an increase of feelings like loneliness, depression, and social anxiety. So obviously a little bit ominous in certain ways, you know, in terms of what that could be leading to, but we don't want to assume that, you know, that's inevitable clearly as well. Um, can either of you share some of your own experiences or observations of these kinds of trends in either adults or in kids, you know, teens, youth, whatever, just through your guys' program and, or personal life experience? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd like to begin with where you started in talking about our generation and our experience with technology. Um, it's pretty interesting to think about how we've straddled both sides of it, like the not having some of the technology that's really taken off today, um, but then being young enough when it did sort of emerge um, to be able to adopt it pretty quickly. Um, and that puts us in a really interesting, unique I don't know, space maybe, um, to, to remember what it was like to grow up without some of those things um, and really notice the differences in the youth we're working with today from you know, those who had it sort of to begin with at a really young age. So I think that's an, an interesting point, speaking as like an, in my early 30s. Um, yeah, still relatively with. young, yeah. right? But yeah. even for us, it's a lot has changed in our perspectives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think that article too speaks a lot to... Um, in the past, I think maybe it was like five or six years, how much has changed. Right. Um, so it was sort of a steady increase 
in um, the effects that were happening based on advances in technology. And then all of a sudden it just soared. Absolutely. Um, like totally different world in the last five years. So, uh, yeah, jump straight to peaks and valleys, you know, basically since the smartphone, you know, mm-hmm. yes. development, but also, you know, normalization and inclusion into life, you know, it was mm-hmm. just radical change mm-hmm. right away. Yeah. Yeah. And Seb, obviously you've, I know that, well, just so everyone knows, we've known each other for a long time yeah. and we've yeah. even worked together at Junior Lifeguards. Um, but I know that when I was thinking about this kind of a question, I was referring to my own experience working with junior guards and how different it, you know, is now than when I was a kid in terms of their interest levels, the, the types of things they're interested in, stuff like that. Um, is there anything that you can think of from your experience there or with Nature Unplugged that, um, you know, has stood out or can attest to that? Yeah. Well, I think I, think I just first like to echo, you know, what you said about, I think we're in a, a unique and privileged place to be millennials. <laughs> Arguably the greatest generation. Uh, well, having, it's been decided. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not even arguable. But having had the sort of upbringing without, you know, so much tech and then having and then being able to though, adapt and, and use it. But yeah, like we like we didn't have a choice really when we, you know, I, I, I sound like old people when I was when I was young. Yeah. I sound like old. I think this we're is, gonna sound old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we didn't have a choice. Right. We well, we were fortunate to grow up. Evan, you and I, uh, near the coast and had that kind of after school for me, it was like, this is, this is like the coolest thing to do is go yeah, down to the beach. And, totally. um, there wasn't a lot of competing priorities and I just kind of, you know, loved that experience and that became like my go-to, my, mm-hmm. my safe space. And, and it taught me a lot of wonderful things, the ocean. Um, and I think just what you're talking about working with young folks today in junior lifeguards or another other uh, programs it seems like as an instructor uh, it seems like I have to I feel this pressure that I have to like convince them that nature is awesome that the ocean is wonderful and they're like you know entertain me yeah because I have yeah Yeah. like I need (laughs) it's a different deal you know it's like they're sitting there you you know um, we're talking about tides or whatever and they seem like they need something like more exciting Right. right. It's it's so that's the I think the challenge is like yeah. or to qualify you, its worth. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's my job to you know, like convince them that it's awesome, but I think it's uh it's a challenge like you know comparing video games and apps. Yeah. to Well, like you said, I mean, you, in a way you're, you know, you didn't have these competing things in your life where you're now under a competition with these things in their lives, you right. know, for attention for you know, um, any value of what it is you're contributing, you know? And, yeah. I, and I know that I've felt a very similar thing myself working with junior guards where I, I do feel like I'm like having to almost provide qualifiers, you know, Hey, this is why this stuff's fun. You know, yeah. <laughs> hey, this is why this is interesting. It's like, but I'm like tearing my hair out going, what the fuck, you know, <laughs> these kids are just like, they just yeah. don't even want to look around them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, not to uh, come down on, on the youth by any means. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the way um, youth and adolescents feel time today is also really different than mm. how we used to. Um, there is so there's so many options of what you can do the the minute you have a second of free time. Where when we were growing up, I think there was a lot more boredom. You know, you had um, you know a couple options of things you might like to do, and then you'd do those things, and then you'd still have two or three hours left, and you're figuring out what to do. So maybe that's when you go outside and explore or um now you know if we have a lull in a conversation 
you know, someone's checking their phone. Yeah, um, it's awkward, right? It's right. We don't we don't like the silence. We don't like the space. Yeah. Um, and and that's not specific to adolescence either. I just want to be clear about that. You know, like yeah. it happens with my mom. It happens with, you know, it it defies generations. The the space. Um, absolutely. Not absolutely. There are exceptions, but right. Um, yeah, the way we fill our time is a, is a different thing now. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, that was something that I think in that same article they talk about this whole this sense of nonlinear time coming mm-hmm. into effect on our, you know, our psyches essentially because at any point in time you can connect with somebody, you know, anywhere in the world or whatever it is and you feel this sense of connection or you think you're connecting, but really you're you're not in rhythm with one another. You know, you you have mm-hmm. no way of syncing up with them and having a deeper connection, you mm-hmm. know, but we're telling ourselves we're very connected and um and they also talk about you know the how it's important to consider that loss of essentially boredom right of, mm-hmm. of you know the real value of boredom and how that creates time to self you know and how so many important insights and discoveries that we do you know about the world and ourselves is just by being alone and being with yourself you know and doing that internal work you know mm-hmm. right. it's mm-hmm. kind of become you know hard to access almost yeah. yeah, and I think it it forces uh, creativity, right? right? Boredom, like you will either just. I mean, you it, you can go. I think that you know you can go introspective and have a nice time by yourself, or you can be like, I'm going to build a treehouse, or totally. you know, come up with some game, or you know, the stuff that we used to do back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's like yeah, it's it's. Um, I think now there's a major resistance to boredom it's like this shouldn't be happening right you know because it's so foreign to the you know the way the phone works with like a little ding every few seconds yeah mm-hmm. a little it's, cue yeah it's all of a sudden you know you're you're out there in nature it's the pace yeah. is different it's slower and it's like this shouldn't this is we need something else what's happening right right 100 mm-hmm. percent. no i mean that's it's it's true you really it's easy to underappreciate how impactful those experiences were that came out of moments of boredom you know yeah. whether it's like you said you're like oh you know here's a tree on board what do i do? Oh, build a tree house or you know i don't know put a you know rope swing on it or whatever like and all mm-hmm. of a sudden that's your new favorite activity for right. the next year or two or until you grow out of it or whatever that is you know yeah right. yeah. yeah the de- the depth of connection then is lost too you know in, the, in those moments of i'm not really sure what to do maybe i'll ask you this question or you know, you get to vulnerable spaces much quicker. Right. Um, if you have less stimulus around you, um, or I don't know if stimulus is quite the right word, but um, more openness to time and right. space, I guess. Well, one of the things they mentioned in that, that article, again, is um, is talking about this thing they call ambient intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, again, kind of circling back here, but, you know, again, we feel very connected, but the nature of that connection is devoid of some of the most, you know, rich, you know, core values of interacting, connecting with somebody, whether it be, you know, honest transparency, vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know, and or the trust that comes with letting someone into that space, you know, in a very authentic way, you know, and it's, it's pretty hard to create any, you know, genuine sense of that intimacy through technology, I feel like, you know. Yeah. Well, and then how the advances in technology are moving us to different modes of communication. Um, and I notice this in myself where I'm like mu- much less likely now to call somebody versus text them. Right. Um, but the connection I have to someone when I call them is very different than when I'm texting them or, you know, Snapchatting them or, Absolutely. you know, on Facebook. 
don't know. Every, yeah, they come up with everything, yeah. I think it's shifting more to just uh, emojis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> full conversation. Just full, emojis. smiley face. Yeah. yeah, that's how you guys yeah. have probably modified your relationship communication now. <laughs> yeah. You just emoji chat. We <laughs> text. Yeah. yeah. Text via emojis. But yeah. I will say that, you know, we... Uh, I don't know, for people that don't know this, we are um, business partners and also we're married. Mm -hmm. And we met in Barcelona. So Sonia was living in Barcelona. My sister was living in there, there as well. And they were friends. And I went out to visit my sister. And we connected. And shortly after, kind of launched, inter launched delved into a <laughs> long-distance relationship. Yeah. And Skype or video chat really, I think, saved or made that possible. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. I think they, you know, probably has happened and before. WhatsApp, yeah. Yeah. But I think more of the like just right. video mm -hmm. was really, really cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know if we would be here this yeah. Podcast, on this yeah. podcast. It's, it's doubtful. It's doubtful, yeah. So it's I mean, we our, could have done. pessimism you guys are surviving from Skype, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess we could have done like old school, like, like uh, letters. letters, you know, like, like, uh, what's that movie with Brad Pitt in the mountains in Montana? <laughs> Um, he's got long hair. Legends of the Fall. Legends of the Fall. Have you seen that? Yeah. yeah. There is some yeah, epic, yeah. like he's a, yeah. like just long, long distance letter writing. Mm. They get like they're a year apart. <laughs> the real romance. Yeah. 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 And so not to like jump the gun, but that's a, that's a great example of how um, advancements in technology really make yeah. um, some things possible that wouldn't otherwise be. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a great point and certainly important to acknowledge that yeah. you know, again, we're we wanna, you know, pay homage to the to the benefits as well here. Yeah. You know, it's not mm -hmm. um it's not all good, it's not all bad, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um so I mean I think that you guys kinda already answered that, but are have there been ways that you've had to modify, you know, your approach to these these methods of communication in order to have more authentic connections, either with one another or with other people? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, for me, um, really about reminding myself to, to take the extra time to mm. make a call or stop by somebody's house, even if it's briefly, um, you know, rather than trying to maintain a relationship totally virtually, um, because it's tempting and it's easy. Um, and you think you have this, you know, relationship that's, you know, really sort of topical, um, mm -hmm. and not as meaningful as I want. And so reminding myself like the relationships that I value and find meaningful are often the, the ones that I nurture in an in-person way, uh, <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, so just kind of really applying more intention behind yeah. actions in those areas and communications. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, and noticing when I'm doing something, you know, just cause I'm feeling lazy or, or mm -hmm. whatever, and it sure. would be worth the extra time. Yeah. That makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. Anything for you to stand out or? I mean, I think the same, it's maybe it comes out of, I tend to call more than text. I do text now more, but, or more than I used to, but sure. I call a lot, I think compared to some of my. Yeah. counterparts um, and it's more out of sort of laziness and frustration in, in having a full conversation via text yeah. it's, you know what I mean it's just like yeah well and I was totally putting you to the test the last few days too because I was like you know I was, I was typing up you know the show notes and mm -hmm. developing it all and you're like I'm sending you all this complex you know stuff you know and layered shit and you're like ah uh, 
good. I'm going to call you. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, I yeah. should just be calling you. <laughs> well, that's not, and that's not, for me, it's not like, I'm going to be, I want to have a genuine connection with Evan here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe that's, that's no, like, but, just, just, but it's more like, I'm you just can like, expedite yeah. that whole process. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. on a conversation, which just is lose. funny because we think we're getting convenience by texting, but really you're just slowing it down. Yeah, right. just slowing down a, right. like a two minute conversation yeah, that goes exactly. on for seven days. <laughs> one, word, one word responses for yeah. seven days. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one of the things that um, we've talked about before is kind of while we don't want to um, presume that there's any kind of inherent uh, ethical or moral qualities to most of the technology out there today, um, one of the points that we were just talking about prior to the episode here is being able to make a distinction between some of the technologies that do have some kind of you know, sometimes intentional and sometimes unintentional, but regardless, kind of various negative impacts, you know, and I think the biggest distinction that's obvious is social media, you know, and how that has really changed the landscape of, um, of our humanity and as well as how we interact, you know, with one another. And, um, it just seems like with the, you know, the role of, of avatars in our lives, you know, and the, the, the kind of emphasis we put on those, it's almost replaced or, or taken precedence over who we are as individuals in reality, you know, as long as we take care of and maintain our avatar and it's buttoned up and looking great, people are going to keep liking you, right? You know, mm-hmm. but um, I think there's a lot of danger in that, you know, of, of whatever, continuing to go down that road and, and, you know, not to be cliche, but you kind of risk losing your true self, you know, which one is really you, you know, at that point. And I think that some of the irony of it is that here we are thinking, you know, we're, we're individuals and, and we're nonconformists and stuff like that. But as avatars, we're interacting in these, you know, social networks that are designed by algorithms, you know, to be optimized and to create basically funnels of information that become, you know, group think essentially at the end of it. And I think that it's, it is ironic that we think we're being outspoken and, and strong-willed and opinionated, but really we're just kind of stepping into echo chambers and saying the same shit to each other, you know, and, and giving each other a pat on the back or patting ourselves, you know. And um, I guess what I'd like to ask you guys is what do you think the relationship is between how we value our independence and the importance of being an independent person, taking pride in that, and our ability or capacity to have empathy for others and and or differences between us, you know, and, and to value those differences as well. From my research, it seems to be, it's mixed. It's a mixed bag. There's not like, social, you know, social media sucks or social media is awesome. You know, there's some studies that, that will kind of uh, show that because of there's a greater reach of connection that it's like building empathy and things like that. And there's, you know, other studies that, you know, take a different population. It's like the opposite. It's right. And, um, I mean, just from what I experienced on social media, it, uh, in terms of empathy, it, it, it just seems to like, this is going back to what we were talking about before. It just seems to be like a, a, a like a hologram of what actual connection is. Right. And so it seems to be a mixed bag and, so you take it away. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, something that it reminds me a lot of is um, during our time at USD in our program, we University of San Diego. University of San Diego. <laughs> um, we 
we, you know, got turned on to different resources and different ways people are talking about things. And one piece that really resonates with the where we started with the social media impact of that and this like avatar idea um, is something that's called like the mask and this mm-hmm. idea of like you know there's two sides to the mask the right. the the outside what you put out into the world and how you project yourself. Um, and then the the back of the mask, you know, what is truer to who I am, but I might hide because I don't think people will appreciate it, like it, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It scares me. It might scare other people. Um, and so we continue to, you know, wear these masks and like really develop, you know, social media in a lot of ways is um, asking us to, you know, create a really beautiful mask and right. tend to it daily. Um, and, you know, you see this with, you know, constant, you know, like daily photo updates, um, mm-hmm. you know, not just like pictures that I'm posting, but I'm changing my profile picture. I'm, I'm very, Stories. yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, continues to evolve in that way. And, um, you do tend to lose touch with yourself when you are spending so much time maintaining the outside of your mask. Um, and so some of the work that we've done when we work with youth is, is, you know, literally a mask exercise, perhaps, where you have a mask and you draw what you think you're putting out into the world and right. what gets you approval. Um, and then, you know, we spend some time with them working on what's on the other side of the mask, what what people don't know about you that is actually sort of integral to who mm-hmm. you are. Um, and then a discussion around, you know, like, why is that on the back of your mask? And, you know, what would it mean to put that on the front of your mask? Right. Um how to flip the positioning of these yeah. qualities. Yeah. Yeah. And and so like in some tangible ways around social mm-hmm. media, maybe it's like maybe I don't untag, you know, the things that are less flattering mm. or um, you know, maybe I'm honest about having like a terrible day or something and, and that my life isn't perfect. Um and then maybe it's going silent for a little bit and then coming back. You know, there's there's lots of different ways, but it's an interesting parallel to some of the work we do that's sort of um really related to social media and this idea of what we put out there versus what's real right. and true to ourselves. Right. Yeah. And I think this is particularly dangerous for, I think it happens for both young men and women, but you know, young women, uh, seeing like constantly, I think for both, I don't know. It's just, I'm not going to single out women, but just the, like, their sense of self-worth comes from comparing to like the perfect, the front of the mask of, mm-hmm. you know, everyone else in their network and then like superstars and social actors. Comparison seems yeah. females for sure. Yeah. And I think this, this is like, it's an epidemic and, you know, in terms of like what that does to people's self-esteem, uh, confidence and yeah. Yeah. No, that makes yeah. total sense. I mean, I think that we see signs of that, you know, manifest in different ways with different people, but it mm-hmm. seems to be pretty universal that, you know, it's, it's not the most healthy, you know, relationship to have with yourself, let alone other people, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and that, that gets, this isn't fully baked, but you know, it seems like a lot of the attention of like, or the, a lot of their sense of value or our sense of value is in the avatar. Right. Right. And then, then like who, you know, who are we? You yeah. Know, where's who, our, yeah. yeah. Where does that leave you and your value? Right. Yeah. Yeah. On the side, on the side, (laughs) out in the yard. Yeah, and and it makes it, it it is an obstacle to connection. Um, 
because I'm competing um, and comparing versus connecting. Yeah. Um, and it's often those times when I admit that things aren't great or I'm struggling with X, Y, Z that I'm really deepening a connection with somebody. Um, uh-huh. Or, you know, it also comes through when you're genuinely sharing joy. You see a lot yeah. of connection around that and social media. Um, but it's all that stuff in the middle that's sort of a facade um, totally. that sort of keeps us from each other in a meaningful way. Yeah, there was something in that article that, that really um, is similar to what you just said there. And, and the way that they were describing it was that, you know, we're, we're creating millions of these moments, these things that we share, right? These mm-hmm. points of information to understand who a person is, you know, whether it's your story update and mm-hmm. maybe you did two, maybe you did 30, whatever. But there's millions of these data points and these moments and somehow the single ones that we pick to share become more important and, you know, more representative Mm -hmm. than all of the other mundane, average, normal moments that are the majority of our individual experience, you know, like whatever, you know, the one thing we chose to share is us, but not, but none of the other normal, you know, consistent things that happen in everyday life. You know, that's not me. Yeah. It's just bizarre. And then it's funny, we, I mean, we joke a lot about like, oh, you know, if you didn't take a picture of it, it didn't happen, right. um, yeah. you know, because there's this feeling of, of it's, the picture is more important than the moment. Yeah. Um, and you see a lot of that manifested in the way people are, you know, you know, video, like taking a video of a whole concert versus mm-hmm. actually just being at the concert or, um, you know, taking a picture like every five steps on a trail versus actually just walking totally. the trail. Um, so it's a, that's an interesting obstacle too, to our experiences and connection to nature. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty intense. I mean, I find myself sometimes in a really epic nature moment or a sunset and I'll be like stressed out that if I don't have my device, (laughs) I got a nature unplugged. We got to post it. Content to be created. (laughs) But, but to, to speak a little bit to, um, this idea of like independence and, and, and that piece and our ability to have, you know, meaningful discourse and understanding someone else's perspective. Um, I, th- I think probably one of the best examples for that, that's like salient to us. Um, it was, is with the, the election. Um, and this, this sense that everyone agreed with my point of view, because this right. algorithm was showing me things I wanted to see and nothing that disagreed with my point of view. Right. Um, and it robs us of the opportunity to have a conversation with right. somebody with a different point of view um, and, and then it becomes a foreign concept, this idea that like my experience and my understanding, um, is just a piece of, you know, this collective experience that we're living in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really a shame, you know, uh, and, and I think something that is a big piece of conversation right now, um, still in the political landscape, but also, um, very much in, you know, how do we create critical thinkers that can, um, you know, discern and, and, you know, pick apart information they're seeing. Um, and, and how do we create adolescents and youth that can disagree and that be okay. Yeah. Um, but have that conversation and yeah. not shy away from it. And, and um, not have the disagreements be a polarizing point of difference, right. you know, not creating an us and a them, but rather, yeah. you know, adding a richness to the diversity or complexity of a topic or issue, you know, right. and, the you know beauty of it is our biodiversity, right? I mean, right? It is our differences that make us so valuable to each other. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think I just want to. I know we got to probably move on, but <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> this is a. It's also a lot easier to like disagree intensely uh, 
when you're just alone with your phone or your computer right. with someone instead yeah. of just being like instead of being face to face. Sure. So I think that's a major. I think it's lacking in you know our in adults is but but major thing that I see in young people, younger people is. You can they can talk smack like mm-hmm. no other yeah via social media. Yeah, the shit talking has been mastered. Yeah, but yeah. not in real life. You know, and, right. and how to have a disagreement and yeah. and yeah, I think that's a something to to yeah. watch for. No, agreed. Yeah. I mean, it's important to <laughs> watch, you know, watch you back. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's important to make the distinction between you know mindful objection, you know, with with the intention of having a constructive discussion and dialogue about something or debate, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and actual argumentation from just real senseless kind of stone throwing from the outside just to create noise, you know, and, yeah. and uh, stir the pot. Um, yeah. I mean, it's easy, obviously, for here we are saying, you know, social media does this or, or you know, technology does this. And I think that in a certain way, it seems like this is something that we all kind of do to an extent where we externalize the source of our problems and woes and, and we kind of project our shortcomings or, or, you know, unhappiness onto these things that aren't really inherently good or bad. They're just, you know, utilities are just things. Right. And I guess what that makes me think of is like how instead of us vilifying social media or technology and trying to abstain and run away from it and all that stuff, you know, obviously the development of it and our evolution are interconnected deeply. So how do we just build empathy and compassion and humanity into these systems, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but, you know. Yeah, I don't know that there's an answer to that. Um, yeah. I think, you know, we need to feel authorized and empowered as individuals to create boundaries around technology so that mm-hmm. it doesn't control us in ways we don't want it to. Like, I don't know, based on business structures for, for social media platforms, I mean, they're not necessarily controlling the inputs coming in, um, and so we do. So it's like on us to, you know, figure out how to use that stuff, yeah. um, in a responsible way. Well, it seems like, um, whether or not you guys have been able to put a finger on it specifically or define it for yourselves thus far, um, a lot of what led you guys to create Nature Unplugged and the program that you guys run in a way is doing this work, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you guys are. Mm-hmm. bringing the human back into this experience, right? You know, and, and reminding us of the humanity that we share as well as our interconnectedness to nature and, and that necessity. Um, I mean, I'd like to talk more about the program in a minute here, but without even covering all of it, what is it that you guys think as far as where you guys grew up and the way you were raised that led you to also obviously probably have some not necessarily predestined, but like inevitable path towards something like this. It seems like, like regardless of whether or not social media come around, you guys probably still would have had a similar, like, you know, we're missing, you know, or, you know, we're lacking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I know that you grew up in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up out here, obviously. So um, maybe you could just speak to. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up um, outside of Philadelphia in a town called Wayne, Pennsylvania. But um, one of the things I think about a lot now doing this work Um, was the great fortune I had growing up literally a few miles outside of Valley Forge National Park. It was like, yeah, steps away from my backyard, basically. And so as we were talking about those moments of, you know, boredom or not knowing what to Mm. fill time with, um, that's often where we would go. Um, 
And I don't think I necessarily thought that was the most interesting thing I was doing um, during those moments, but I'm very aware um, of the outcomes of it now on me developmentally, just um, in in a sense of exploration and adventure that it gave me um, and dynamics within the people that I was out there exploring with um, and the relationships I was cultivating largely because I had the space to do so. and, and the, the many benefits of just being outside a lot. Um, sure. Again, it's like not something I was aware of or necessarily intentionally doing, but sort of a byproduct of yeah. probably a little less technology in my life. Um, yeah. And Sam, you grew up obviously out here. Yeah, I grew up in La Jolla, San Diego. So yeah. affluent <laughs> suburb of San Diego. But yeah, very fortunate. Um, and... Yeah, kind of. A, I spoke to a little bit earlier, but always, you know, the ocean and the beach were have been a part of my life since like my earliest memories. You know, grew up right across from Wind and Sea Beach, and spent a lot of time there and at La Jolla Cove. Learned to swim there, and and a lot of my memories are around there. And then, you know, my my dad. I've shared this with you a little bit. My dad was a, a really awesome swimmer, and. So, it's, yeah, I was swimming from a young age, and a lot of my memories of my dad are around him swimming, and he passed away when I was young, and it was really intense on my family and I, and um, he took his own life, mm-hmm. and that was my, my way of uh, going to the ocean, going to the beach, was my way of visiting with my dad after he died. You know, he was cremated, we spread his ashes in the, in the ocean, and if I was in a really bad place, I would just go back to the beach and yeah. it was like my time so it wasn't it was almost I was it was that was like what I did to survive mm-hmm. I think early on and then it, but it it turned into a like deep love and appreciation and eventually motivation for the work we do in Nature Unplugged not necessarily solely around the ocean but that was wow. a big part of it yeah that's awesome I mean um, obviously you guys have kind of touched on some of the benefits but if you had to boil it down for each of you and obviously it's different for everybody but what would some of the benefits be you know to to make the argument hey make sure interact with nature you know this is this is why at the very least you know like mm-hmm. what would what would you list to somebody if you're trying to convince them to do your program and you know go spend more time outside or whatever yeah well there is an incredible amount of research that supports the ben- the many benefits of nature um and actually, Richard Louvre, who is from San Diego, um, has a whole movement around nature and getting people outside to um, experience these benefits. But generally speaking, you see a reduction a lot in a lot of um, negative um, potential symptoms like anxiety, depression, um, and isolation, maybe a little bit. But like you see increases in... Focus, attention, mood, um, energy, things like that. I probably missed a whole bunch. Do you want to throw anything in there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, we're not, we don't have the stats in front of us, right? But, um, you know, there are studies that show that just five minutes in nature mm-hmm. boost mood and self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, right? There's a book called by Richard Louvre called Last Child in the Woods, which mm-hmm. is it's a great, great job of um, kind of telling stories and also weaving in the, the research about this stuff but you know i think there is a need to as humans to have a connection with nature Mm -hmm. you know i think we it's like in our dna right to touch the soil to the the water to 
climb trees and move around in that way. And there, you know, the the evidence is building, but I think from like an experiential perspective, I, you know, it's a big difference for me when I'm locked in and on my computer all day and go outside and get fresh air and the sunshine on my face and yeah. mm-hmm. feel the wind and just the feeling right. of like, wow, it's like, I need this, like yeah. water, or anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, obviously some of these qualities are case specific to the person too. You know, like you said, mm-hmm. your experience, the ocean took on a whole different meaning. It became right. a place of solace, a place of, you know, kind of connection and worship and to, you know, connect with your father and stuff like yeah. that. And, um, I think a lot of people would share that, especially on the ocean, but I think nature in general that, you know, when, when times are tough, when things are hard and they're, you know, at a low point that they return to that source every time, you know, and it just helps them process through some of those emotions and experiences it seems like. Yeah. I mean, the, the emotional piece of it is quite significant, um, just in terms of self-awareness and self, like, you know, your own well-being. but, um, there's a lot of benefits um, to your emotional well-being through nature, and there's a lot of research to support that. And and I think the incredible thing is is how little time is actually needed out there to start feeling that benefit. I think right. that's a really compelling how piece to this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I th- I think this is the it's the solution to what was the term? It's the ambient uh, ambient intimacy. intimacy. Ambient intimacy, right? There's like uh, we have a thousand friends on Facebook, but not a whole lot of really deep connections and there's this feeling of like all everything all the time friends you know like apps information but not it's not satisfying you know it's um it's like like a hologram right right and i think that this like the 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 tangibility is that (laughs) tangibility (laughs) yeah of of (laughs) like feeling a tree of you know smelling flowers watching a hummingbird yeah is like what we need to feel that sense of um, wholeness, right? Of like, yeah. like deeper connection. And it's right outside yeah. our, our doorsteps. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. I mean, I think as you've mentioned before, you know, this is, this is an inherent part of our heritage, part of our genetics. It's part of our, our true nature, you know, is to, you know, the whole concept of us separating it all from nature is pretty absurd really. Yeah. And I think that both on, like you said, you know, on an emotional level, we need it on a, you know, a biological level, we need it, you know, to activate the senses, you know, to mm-hmm. keep them awake and alive and tuned, you know, and things like that, you know, um, there's just so many different elements of our systems that require that source and you can't replace, you know, the value of nature in any other artificial way. You yeah. can't mimic that, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think maybe one piece that's not as tangible, but really important um, is is that the more time we spend on nature, the better environmental stewards will be. Mm. Um, you know, we become removed from the cycle of, of the way we process our resources and how we get the material things we do and the food we eat. And um, being outdoors and connecting with nature really helps us get in touch with that. Um, and I think then really collectively benefits, you know, our direct communities, our state, our country, and our mm-hmm. world in general. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, so this program, Nature Unplugged, tell us a little bit about it. Um, specifically, you guys is kind of, I don't want to misquote this, but the, the tagline of sorts, and I'm, I think I've got it right here. <laughs> um, but basically I wanted to ask you what you guys mean when you say creating a healthier relationship to technology and a deeper connection to nature. What does that mean to have a healthier relationship 
with technology and a deeper connection to nature for you guys? So I, I want to just speak to why that's sort of our tagline or, sure. or what we aim for too. Yeah. And it comes from a, a positive approach, like an appreciative approach of, of understanding that we could probably continuously improve our relationship to both technology and nature. Um, but going back to the point we were making of not seeing tech as an evil thing right. um, and really helping people understand what is a healthy relationship, first of all, both to technology and nature, um, and using that as the foundation to move through our work and program. Um, I'm going to pass it along to Seb, though, to speak a little <laughs> more to the program itself. Well, yeah, yeah, and just going a little bit more on the on our mission, essentially. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, it's like, it's, it's I think, like Sonia said, uh, it's not all bad, tech, but it's yeah. under, I think it's, we want to cultivate or... Uh, the ability to see, you know, where technology is serving us and where it's not. Sure. And getting clear on that. And then, yeah, I mean, for, I'm a little extreme, but for me, it's like we can always have more nature time, especially I think the, it's about a balance, but I think the balance right now is shifted far more on the, the tech side of things. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that you guys kind of simply broke it down into three major components in there. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, mindfulness, mindset, movement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked like possibly play was a component separately. Yeah. And, and I'd kind of like to talk to that too after this, but, um, was hoping that you guys could just give us a basic breakdown of those three components, um, and what that means in a tangible sense for the program. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So mindfulness, pretty hip right now. Right? <laughs> Super. I like in. to say <laughs> mindfulness. This is a t-shirt. Yeah. It's so hot right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right now. Coming from the uh, yoga teacher over here. That's right. But, you know, a lot of different definitions of mindfulness. Essentially, we're talking about being in the present moment, making an intentional choice to be in the present moment, non-judgmentally. Mm. And, and looking at that as a muscle we can develop, mm-hmm. the, like bringing our attention back again and again. And we look at the mindfulness as the foundation for our program mm. in many ways. Um, but, you know, very tangibly, like, you know, to be able to begin to see, to take a step back and see where is technology really helping me and, and where is it not so much, it, like, requires a, you know, way to step out and look, you know, observe ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, mindset, it's mostly based on the work of Carol Dweck, who okay. sort of introduced the concept of mindset. She's a psychologist. Um, and she talks about it in two ways, a growth or a fixed mindset. And um, specifically, she's looking at it through an educational lens um, and what's happening in the classroom. And a lot of us, or a lot of people, tend to have a fixed mindset, which is this idea that I'm, I'm good at something or I'm not good at something. Right. Um, and I'll only ever be good at the things I'm good at right now, mm-hmm. and I'll never be good at the things I'm not. And so that's very much a fixed mindset and doesn't promote or engage you to try things that are outside of your your zone of comfort and and perceived ability and a growth mindset is much more of a concept where I could be good at almost anything if I took the time um, to try it and do it and work on it Um, and goods relative of course but um, you could get better and almost anything, I would argue. Um, and so if you were to embody that, you would have adopted a growth mindset. And so part of our work is really trying to push people out of their comfort zones um, and adopt a growth mindset and, and challenge the areas where we've got a fixed mindset um, and noticing how limiting that is and, and 
hoping and helping people let go of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a super important point to make. You know, yeah. I've, I've heard that address other places as well, you know, with regards to the fixed mindset, you know, um, or growth mindset and just, are you stuck with what you got or, or do, you, do you look at that differently and go, this is where I'm starting from, you know, yeah. where can I go, what can I get to? Right. And I think, yeah. oh, go ahead. I think everything come, becomes like a challenge or an adventure as opposed to a roadblock. You know? Yeah, like limitation. I can, yeah, yeah, like I can, I can do that. Right, know? right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think the most popular example that's used usually for a fi- fixed mindset, and most people can uh, resonate with this, is, is your uh, ability in mathematics. Uh-huh. A lot of people feel like they're good or bad at it. Right. And, and whether you, even if you think you're good at it, usually that's a fixed mindset. You yeah. probably also believe that other people are not good at it. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think, one that sort of universally people can resonate it's, it with. It separates the yeah. crowd real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like, you know, even, even things as, as fundamental as IQ, right? I mean, our perception yeah. of IQ can mm-hmm. either be a fixed mindset or, you know, growth mindset. Yeah. You know? Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just dumb. So I'm <laughs> just going to, you know, do dumb stuff, you know, yeah. simple yeah. things the rest of my life. And yep. obviously we've seen that that's not the case. You know, yeah. You can develop those faculties. Right. right. Yeah, and then movement slash play. And you know, we use movement because it starts with an M. So. <laughs> <laughs> like this is what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. Like, it sounds like play to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, there's a few pieces to this. Sure. One is that with most technologies that we're using, people are becoming more and more sedentary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as technology becomes more advanced, we become, it becomes, our lives become sort of easier and we have to move less. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is an issue, like a physical issue. And so getting out and moving is really important and, and, and incorporating this idea of play. And so it doesn't have to be, you know, it could be a sport, you know, but it could be like we were talking about earlier, going out and climbing trees or creating your own game, mm-hmm. you know, anything where you're getting outside, moving, being creative mm-hmm. and like really reinforcing play and flow in this as well. Right. And I, I, one of the things that's, I've found really interesting and in reflecting on like my childhood is um, and why we make the distinction between movement and play or, or perhaps exercise and play as opportunities for movement is I feel like I moved a lot um, when I was young, but a lot of it was in a, in a very organized way, like organized sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed that as I you know, grew up and got into more and more competitive soccer, um, it was different. Like my body was being exercised, but my spirit of play wasn't. Mm-hmm. I like wasn't enjoying it in the same way. Um, as I would just playing like spike ball or, right. you know, maybe a sport that there was less riding on. Like I wasn't trying to go to college to, you know, right. you know play volleyball. Yeah. So it was fun to play volleyball. Sure. So this really making the distinction, especially for adolescents today, um, who are perhaps a little overscheduled um, and, and moving around but not doing the stuff that they enjoy potentially, um, finding the space and the time to just be a little bit goofy and play. And maybe yeah. it's hacky sacking or... Totally. S- slacklining or yeah. surfing or you know just whatever that feels playful to you yeah so kind of honing in on the spirit of play within mm-hmm. your movement program whatever right. that is yeah. and making sure to at least prioritize that if not make that equal part emphasis yeah. to the physical application of you know fitness and things sure. like that and athletics yeah yeah exactly no that makes total sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we have we've taken the, those are our kind of core concepts but and then we we teach those through I don't know if this is where you're going, but teach this through. It is now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we offer coaching, yeah, you know, one-on-one coaching, with, and we've you know created an eight-week program curriculum that incorporates these things, and we do workshops. 
mm-hmm. kind of on, you know, we'll do workshops, just overviews on Nature Unplugged, but also focusing in on mindfulness or mindset. Sure. And then offering also retreats where we do kind cool. of digital detox, like, you know, phones away and yeah. incorporating some of these things as we go. So take, just take me through yeah. an average day with the group for you guys, for your program. You know, I mean, what's, I know that it's kind of open-ended in terms of what exact activities or locations or whatever you do. I mean, what, what's a, an example of a, a day with a group? Yeah, well, and so the, uh, there are sort of two different pieces. The coaching often is one-on-one, okay. um, and then the workshops or retreats are group-based. Cool. Um, so for groups, we might be a little looser with the content, but often there's a big emphasis on mindfulness and how to develop a practice of mindfulness, introducing people to different mindfulness practices so that they know that there's a lot out there to choose from if you know, yoga is in your thing or mindful breathing is in your thing, maybe mindful eating is or a mindful walk is. So trying to give some brief introductions to different formal and informal practices around mindfulness. Um, and then a lot, a lot tends to, like some activities that help people get in touch with how much they're using technology, like how, how pervasive is it in your life, if at all. Um, and that being sort of the step for the, where the rest of the day goes. Um, but so the group dynamic is a bit different than the coaching and, and sure. Seb works more with one-on-one clients so I can pass it off to him for that part. Yeah. And that, so we have, we kind of work on a curriculum. So it's like each, we, we'll, we'll do eight sessions and each session will have a different emphasis. Okay. And so it's kind of a combination of curriculum, like first day is an intro to the whole program. And then session two is all about mindfulness. So it's a combination of like, some teaching and then some practicing. So we'll do like you know, practice some, like a short meditation and all our sessions. Um, the first one's a little bit more intake. So we do like some goal setting and stuff. So that's usually indoors, but all our, the rest of our sessions will be outside and, you know, in a park or at the beach. And so things like that. And you guys, I mean, what, what are some exi- examples of activities you guys do? I mean, you, you give me these places, but are you, are you surfing? Are you building sandcastles? Mm-hmm. Are you, you know, playing mm-hmm. soccer in the park? Or what's, like, what is it literally? What yeah, yeah. Like? Yeah. So, okay, I mean, so most of it's at a park. Uh-huh. You know, or, yeah, the park, let's say. And um, so it could be doing a meditation, you know, just like in the park. And uh-huh. then going on, a, like doing a mindful walk in the trails. Cool. For play, we do a lot of stuff. Depends on where we go, but there's like some jungle gyms in this, you know. But we can <laughs> just like make up our own, yeah, mm-hmm. our own thing. So it's it Find sort of depends on, with. yeah, it sort of <laughs> depends on the client, you know. But uh huh, yeah, very cool. And the, I would say the group stuff tends to be more location based, but you like maybe primarily are out camping or hiking or something right. like that, or you're out in a park, and, and so that will inform a little bit more what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. and then you guys make a distinction, um, you know, in, in the differences to these kinds of. When approaching these kinds of topics, the distinction between a therapy approach and a coaching approach, mm-hmm. um, I was hoping that you guys could kind of speak to what the significances are, you know, in terms of what really distinguishes them mm-hmm. and why coaching, you know, versus therapy and psychotherapies. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so probably the biggest distinction between coaching and therapy is the like time orientation therapy tends to be more past oriented and coaching is more future um and so with coaching we're really looking at where are we right now and where do we want to go and how do we get you there um where therapy might be a little more like you know where are you right now and what do you think in the past is causing that and let's get into that and work with it and see if we can create a 
a better present for you. Right. Um, and so that's a big piece of it. Yeah, and this is a generalization, like sure. you yeah. know. But I think it's for us. We're not trained therapists, so the, yes. the main thing is like we're trained coaches, uh, but we're not trained therapists. So it's like we're just need to clarify that for you know people who are working. Sure, with. We're, sure. not, we're not, and we're not diagnosing. You know, of course. Um, and and it's not an either or kind of thing. So a lot of the clients that we work with, or not a lot, but some may also th- see a therapist, right? So it's sort of a different thing. Sure. And like mm-hmm. Sonny said, more more future oriented, more goal like goal, a lot of goal setting and a lot of like encouragement and ways to how do we get there and it's a lot more uh you know i i guess we're asking the questions that are going to help the client find the answers within themselves right absolutely yeah they're more as a facilitator of their own capabilities exactly yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. well and i think that's a really cool distinction to make between the you know past attention and and or present or future intention Mm -hmm. you know and I've never really thought about it like that before. You know, I've, I've done therapy before and sure enough, it, it, it's a visit to the past. It's, mm-hmm. it's looking at origins at the yeah. you know, root and the foundation of things that have, you know, come that have come to term in your present life. Right. But it's a very different kind of psychology than, you know, what can I do now and where do I want to be? And what's, what's my action plan, you know, for expansion mm-hmm. or growth or whatever that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's crossover too. You sure. Know, so it's not, yeah. It's not yeah. like, well, it sounds like one. the best would be to have both. both. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. To complement yeah, yeah. one another. Yeah. And there's a really important place for therapy and Absolutely. counseling. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just, that's not the work we do. Um, and this is a little bit of a generalization, but one of the things that um, has, I think, drawn both of us to coaching perhaps a bit more than the counseling or therapy track is this interest in really creating like thriving individuals and um, seeing the ability to do that a bit more in coaching than in therapy, um, where you're maybe just trying to get someone uh, you know, up to baseline and to mm-hmm. like an okay place versus we find a lot of joy in taking, you know, someone who's maybe okay and getting them to like great. And yeah. Thriving. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like a lot of the intention is to, is to empower and to equip mm-hmm. them with their own, you know, self-reliant tools, you know, right. that they can then go out. I know that that's oftentimes been some of my criticisms about psychotherapies for things is that, you know, you're not really provided the tools. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're shown what the issues are and mm-hmm. you're told maybe like, what would be more ideal or, or more beneficial than that. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, it's just, there's a reason right. why they're an hour long usually. And, and they yeah. go, all right, see you next week. You know, if you're mm-hmm. really doing the good work in terms of creating progress for that person, they wouldn't be coming back next week. Mm-hmm. And of course, then you'd be out of a job if you were the therapist. So it's, I, I just, I have to wonder sometimes if there's some, you know, um, I don't know. And I think that's getting into like also like good therapy versus not so good therapy. And there's like probably good good coaching and not so good coaching. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. sure. No, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. to be fair that way. Yeah. 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 But I think it's really neat that this program sounds like, you know, it, it again, just equips people with their own ability to pursue this stuff further mm-hmm. um, or to keep coming back and training with you guys. Because obviously we're all students, you know, yeah. and we're all, and I'm sure a lot of what you guys are, you know, teaching or leading or facilitating for people is just from your own exploration and personal experiences too. Mm-hmm. So I can see how that all works together pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's, what's a good place for people to find out more about nature unplugged or, um, you know, get started or reach out to you guys. If they have questions, what's a good resource. So we got a website, Sweet. nature unplugged. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Natureunplugged.com. Awesome. Yeah, we do some blogs. We have, you know, our, all our general information is on there. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. 
so we can send people there and, and they can get all the download and sign up for anything. Yeah, yeah and, mm-hmm. and excellent. Our contact information is on there, so feel free yeah. to reach out. Yeah. Um, and emails are just Sonia at natureunplugged.com, Sebastian at natureunplugged.com. Correct. If you just want to shoot an email versus visit the website. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I just want to touch on um, Seb. I know you've got a book release coming up, Ashes in the Ocean. And we kind of very lightly touched on this earlier with, you know, the kind of the catalyst for, you know, creating that story, which was, you know, the loss of your father at a young age. And um, I can't wait to read it. It looks really cool. You got to share the cover with me and I got to get a little teaser, you know, a little read on the inside cover. And it, and it looks beautiful and it sounded really interesting. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah I'm excited to be wrapping it up. It's been intense. I bet. Uh, yeah deep dive yeah you know um but i'm really excited excited to be uh to put it out there and it'll be uh launching mid-march awesome and also very soon yeah pretty soon and yeah i I look at it's a it's you know more memoir style um looking at my relationship with my father and a lot of my um out of my, you know, my journey with that, and and I look at it as in ways as sort of like the why behind Nature Unplugged. Sure. And um, yeah, I'll be excited for that, that yeah. next chapter. Yeah. Well, I know that. Um, well, first of all, where when that comes out, where can people find it, or where can they purchase it? Or... Yeah. So that'll be it'll be available everywhere. You know, Amazon, bookstores, etc. Okay. And I have a a website, the personal website, SebastianSlovan.com which will have updates and information uh, that's more specific to the book. Awesome. Um, so the final note here, I want to close out with a couple of signature questions. And I know that, Sony, obviously you didn't grow up stranded by the ocean the same mm-hmm. way that Seb or I did. Mm-hmm. But I think that in many ways, there's a lot of f- elements of fluidity to the practice you guys have developed with this program, as well as just how you guys seem to be approaching life. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, when I say individuals and stories connected by water, I'm really more speaking to that in a metaphorical sense, you know, in a symbolic sense, you know, in other words, a surfer to me does not have to be a person who's riding a board. It's somebody who's learning to surf the waves of life, right? Mm-hmm. So it's somebody who's learned how to navigate, you know, these patterns, these ebbs and flows, you know, that are inevitably all coming in waveform, you know, one way or another. So Regardless, I think you can speak to these questions. You know. Okay. <laughs> um, my first one for both of you is, what is your earliest memory of water? <laughs> it's hard to say if it's like one of those things that you remember just because you've seen pictures of it. Uh-huh. Um, but, and I'm sure it is, but I, we used to vacation in Rattle Beach um, a lot. And one of my earliest memories is going to the beach there, ironically, rather than like the Jersey Shore. Um, but... I used to love to just jump in the water and then roll around in the sand, much to my parents' dismay. But I, it was something about getting wet and then getting stuck with sand. That's probably, I don't yeah. know what that says exactly, yeah. but that's <laughs> probably awesome. my yeah, maybe like five or six. It's somewhere around that's that. A great there, there are pictures of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Seb? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah, I think I don't know if this is my first memory, but the one that stands out the most is uh, being with my dad at the cove. It's a nice, like, uh, sheltered, you know, uh, water space. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a butterfly swimmer. Okay. But he swam, you know, all sorts of different strokes. But he would do butterfly, and I'd hold on to his back. Oh, wow. And so it would be like... Superman yeah, butterfly. Yeah, Superman butterfly. So I'd have to, you know, before I could even swim, you know, I'd be like, 
timing my breath right. Oh, wow. And then also going out way farther than I, you know, felt comfortable doing. And I always felt like that was kind of, you know, like with my dad, I felt safe out there. And then that was a big, you know, part later is like going into those unknown uh-huh. and the deeper water. Without that protection. Without that protection. Yeah. But he was there. He's, you know, there all Yeah, like yeah. That. Um, but, yeah, without the physical, you know. Sure, yeah. sure. So, oh, that's getting awesome. a ride, getting a butterfly. What a ride. cool way to experience the ocean and what yeah. a treat. Yeah. I mean, it's a blessing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that uh, the, the last thing I want to ask both of you is given everything that you guys have learned and that you've been working on with this program and otherwise, just in your own lives individually, um, what's one piece of advice you can offer to our listeners um, that would allow them to learn to surf the waves of life, you know, so to speak? Mm-hmm. How, how to create more flow or how to cultivate those energies and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, like literal surfing, there's a kind of a cool element to surfing where no waves, the no two waves are the exact same, mm-hmm. right? There's some spots where it gets close, <laughs> but, and I would say just with that in mind, uh, developing a mindset of curiosity and, you know, not, you know, you don't know how this next one's going to unfold and being open to how it does. Mm. It's a great takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a spirit of curiosity is really important. Um, I think for me, one of the lessons that I learned in my young adult life was I don't know if it's scheduling free time, if that sounds sort of paradoxical, but um, maybe just letting go of your to-do list, like finding time mm. to just not be so concerned with the things you're supposed to be doing and giving yourself space to breathe and enjoy and be calm and go play. Yeah. Perhaps go play. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. maybe that's a day or an hour who knows what it is for each person, but finding some time during your week to let go of it. Yeah. So important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both those points. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks guys. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to come on and, um, Seb, I'd love to have you back on to talk about your book once that's out, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. obviously that is a much more literal connection to the water element here, but um, regardless, this was this was really fun. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thanks, good, Evan, good to nice. shred with you guys. Yeah, yeah good to shred. <laughs> Thanks for having us. <laughs> um, I would love to get one photo of you guys maybe out in your yard or, yeah. or, or here, whatever, wherever you want to. Um, yeah, just for the blog post. Let's do it. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get, get in your favorite on trend social media position. <laughs> I'm gonna take a piss real quick. Can right. uh, you get a photo of that? Yeah. going to do it for our show today if you enjoyed what you heard in your time with us please take a moment to subscribe and rate us on itunes you can find our episodes there or on soundcloud stitcher and spotify if you were turned on by anything in today's episode please take the time tell a friend or a loved one about the show it's listener recommendations and support for people like you that make this show possible 
If you think the show deserves to grow or adds value to your life, you can contribute your support by donating on Patreon, an easy-to-use crowdfunding platform for creators such as myself. If you're interested in any of the guests or topics covered in the episode, you can find out further information about them in the show notes section on iTunes or on the blog post on our website. And lastly, if you have any thoughts, questions, feedback, or ideas for future guests or topics, you can reach out directly to me on our website at www.offshoreinsightspod.com. That's Offshore Insights, followed by the letters pod.com. And today, I'm going to leave you with a song by Claws Creative called Dream Blaze. You can find a link to that on our website as well. Until next time, be well, enjoy the ride, and keep in touch. <laughs>